0: Hey guys, Ishelle here with a quick little um, explanation. So sorry, this episode is much later than it should have been. We had some severe technical issues with this one and unfortunately we couldn't get them worked out. We were still able to recover the file, but there is just, the sound quality is just not that great. Um, as you guys know, the way that Ken and I record each session, it's legitimately just a conversation between the two of us. And so you can't really recreate that. We we're not using a script. And so we can't really redo a session. It's not that simple. So we decided to just roll with it. And we hope that you will just bear with the very poor sound quality of this one. But long story short, that is what happened. And so if you can get past it, there's still some good content here. So I'll let you go check it out.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Down a Dish. I'm Ken, and we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer Spoke. All right, so people arrived
2: and it's so Oh my gosh! So we're watching on the DVDs, and there's only there are two discs left. Yeah. Well,
1: y'all know already. Stay tuned because that pink plate special. Alright, it's headed your way for sure.
2: People have already been sending us recommendations for things to cover on Pink Plate Special. Oh, good. So keep those coming. You can email those to us at libertydinerdish at gmail.com and we will just keep a running spreadsheet and just start like ticking them off. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Alright,
3: well then let's dive deep.
2: We are at 509 and we start out with Michael and Bing and their newlywed on. Okay. I'm, I
1: said, Ooh, <laughs> they back. Okay. Yeah. Like, I don't think we've ever experienced them like this. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, we've seen moments of them when they're intimate. They're but usually
2: more like tender you feel me? and sweet.
1: Boy, yeah. I got a new side of Ben. I was like, Okay. <laughs> then I was like, Hold up. Y'all are all over the dishes. Like, Baby, we ain't eating over there. Like, cause we know y'all not light Y'all ain't over there sanitizing. Like, uh-uh. Well, yeah. that was hot, though. Big
3: what?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I think at some point, people felt like the sex got a bit gratuitous on this show. But even in this scene, like, it started with that. But you're, the very first thing that you said was, oh, they're back to normal. Yeah. Because before... Debbie had asked if they were having sex and they weren't. Right, And so the first thing that you pointed out is, okay, they're at a healthier spot in their relationship.
1: These are men who are young and who are good looking and successful and active. They mm-hmm. have a healthy sexual appetite. I think it captured the the, the correct light and of just what pe- real people think. Why is it that in America, we always want to um, shame sex you know, and hide yeah. it and bring it back? No, let's talk more about it. And then we'll have more conscious decisions made. If we actually just embraced it and talked about it, Instead of hiding it. Like no one ever had that birds and bees conversation with me. Yeah. I didn't get that. I wish I did, but I didn't. But it was something like my family just didn't talk about.
2: Right. But it even happens in the, in the gay community. Oh yeah. Even within the community, people are like, all you care about is sex sort of thing. And so.
1: It's a lose, lose situation because we're not having the proper conversations about it. Big ups to the writers of the show to actually include that because that is normal and that is healthy and that is real life so thank you
2: well we'll have a whole like sex conversation on the pink plate and both of us will just be awkward and uncomfortable yeah
1: well y'all know that's where i live at anyway and awkward and uncomfortable i love
2: it okay so that is coming your way but (laughs) we still got an episode to do so uh five minutes later we're back to it (laughs) anyway As they are doing what they are doing, getting their newlywed on, there is a persistent doorbell, Um, and Michael is coming in a minute. (laughs) And then when he gets to the door, there are two ladies there to talk to him about Proposition 14 and how important it is to protect the holy bonds of matrimony in the American family.
3: Oh, Lord. They
2: ask if he's married, and he most certainly is. He has a modern American family as well. That includes a son and a daughter. Yes. Um, They would love to speak to him and his wife. And out comes uh, a half dressed Ben.
1: (laughs) That was, that was some bullshit right there. The way that he stayed composed because old Michael would have been immediately like, what? No. What are you doing? How dare you? Yeah. But I mean, he kept it cool. Like, okay, yeah. (laughs) Honey, there's some people over here that want to see us about Prop 14. And they get there and they troll their asses. Like, I just love that scene. It was them showing ultimate teamwork. It was the, it was almost like Brian was in that scene. That's something you would expect from Brian. The way, the way that they, they handled yeah, it. yeah. It, it it was it was really cool, and I was proud of Michael in that moment. <laughs> yeah. well,
2: this whole neighborhood is mostly gay, so Charlotte and Amanda can get to step. Yeah,
1: in. I'm thinking, why would y'all come here? Y'all yeah. know we just we just <laughs> brought Bree's <laughs> life back into this neighborhood, right? Because you know when the gays come, baby, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> the properties go up. All right, they go up, and that's what happened.
2: Well, then we see Ted, Emmett, and Brian together at the diner. And I think these three are always going to be friends. Like, even with everything going on with Michael and Justin, well, because of everything going on with Michael and Justin, we've seen more of this trio hanging Mm -hmm. out together. And I'm really not surprised that Ted and Emmett didn't leave Brian in the dust. But I do think it's worth a mention because it's the reassurance that both me and Brian need that he's never going to be alone again. Right. This is so different from... From back in season one, like he has other people that he's allowed into his life now and they're not going to let him be alone. At the very beginning of season one, I don't think I would call Ted and Emmett his friend. Right. Um, or I don't think I would call Brian their friend. Uh, but they just kind of put up with him, even though I'm sure Brian thinks that he's the one who's putting up with them. Right. And uh, when we met him in season one, we met Brian in season one, he had spent so much of his life afraid that he would have no one if Michael gave up on him. And that's why he was always stringing Michael along. But over time, Brian has expanded that circle. And apart from Justin, these are the two best people he could have allowed in. No,
1: seriously. No, it's the truth. And it goes back to um, Emmett. I think, I, I believe that Emmett has always been searching for family. So he he created his family. He left state 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 states away to come here. He came on his own. He had no one. So everybody he meets, they become family to him. And Brian is part of that family. So Whatever that Brian, Justin and Michael have going on, family still don't give up on you. You might not always be in the in the in the best likeness of each other, I guess. Uh, or you might not always be in agreement. Yeah, yeah, in a good yeah. graces. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Thank you, love. Um, Good graces. But you don't give up on each other. And that's what they're going through. Family goes through it at a time, you know. So he's still like you said, he's never going to be alone. He always have people still there in his corner for him that love him and care for him. They know exactly who he is. They know what to expect from Brian. But they love him no matter what. And that's what you have. You have Emmett and Ted there taking care of him as as, that he needs right now.
2: Yeah. And I feel like they both started pursuing individual friendships with him and not just through Michael. Uh Like with Ted, he started doing that when working at Kinetic. And then Emmett kind of started to do that, to do that too. True. While everybody else is tied up in their own stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And they know him. Emmett's very perceptive. And so he kind of knows what's going on even if you don't tell him. And then Ted is always going to be there encouraging Brian to open up. And... I think he really needs this after fall- his falling out with Michael and breaking up with Justin. It's just a different so.
1: perspective. And yeah. It's an eye-opener for him. Yeah. He's always had Michael's perspective and Michael telling him. But now he has two other eyes and ears yeah. and mouths that are telling him, hey, get your shit together. Or maybe you should try this. <laughs> yeah, or
2: you know? just kind of being there yeah. for mm-hmm. him and just with listening. him. Yeah, yeah just keeping an eye on him. I know that Brian is not okay, but I'm less worried about him when I see that he still has these two. True. Well, back to the scene, a pretty cute guy walks into the diner, and he and Ted exchange the look. Emmett recognizes that look in the subtle exchange of smiles that can only mean one thing. <laughs> uh Brian is wondering if there's anyone left in this burg that Theodore hasn't had um since this extreme makeover. And you gotta love the 180 from season one, Ted, to now. Yeah. So he, that, he would be the last person you would say that to I know. in season one. <laughs> yeah. But... uh. Ted says if they don't get a fresh supply in soon, he'll have to move to Philadelphia.
1: That's hilarious.
2: Yeah. He used to wonder what it would be like to have any guy he wanted. And now that he has that, he says it's great, but I don't know if I'm fully convinced.
1: Yeah. Um, I
2: mean, I think he sees the benefits yeah, yes, of it, but it it it's, that's not all Ted wants. True.
1: Well, I mean, Ted has never been the popular guy. I feel like he's always been the, the, the butt of someone's joke and things of that nature. So when reality switched for him and he was able to take the upper hand and, you know and hold all the cards it was probably fun for the moment but then you know you're missing it i think he's living brian enjoys it because brian can choose love if he wants it you know brian has always had people come for him for ted this is something brand new and, and it was fun it was fun but i think he's searching for something deeper as well where brian can have that deeper he doesn't want it ted wants he's always been a romantic he's always wanted that connection it's been more than sex for him that's all he's getting right now it's just the sex
2: yeah, I think he's able to enjoy it because it's something he has never had before. Mm-hmm. So, of course, he's going to ride that train for as long as yeah. he can. But he's not the kind of person who's going to get stuck there and yeah. settle be, and settle in that.
3: No, no, absolutely not.
2: Well, Michael walks in and Ted, very brightly raised, waves him over to the table. That earns him a look from Emmett because, hello, they are already sitting with Brian. Yeah, you
1: know the feuding fool. <laughs> yeah. like, what are you doing?
2: Yeah, Michael comes over and he greets everyone but Brian, and then Brian not so gently moves Emmett out of the way so he can get back to work. You can see that Ted kind of hates that they are on the out. Like, even though he and Brian are getting closer, he's not trying to replace Michael, and he's not taking a side. He just wants his friends to kind of make up. Michael heads over to the counter, and Debbie is on duty. She starts out with some polite chatter, then gets right to it. Are (laughs) you and Brian ever going to talk to each other again? And they've fallen out many times before, but everyone can tell this is different. Yeah,
1: it just it feels different. Yeah, And normally it's Michael chasing, but this time Michael has like no remorse. Like he has, like he says there's nothing wrong. Like, no, we've outgrown each other. It is what it is. I, I love that Debbie's on his ass in a scene. Like this, y'all been friends for forever and a day. Get over this shit. This is yeah. silly. This is childish. Yeah, Move past it. This is going to be your family forever. You've been friends with this man half your life. Well, like,
2: she says they're like brothers. Yeah. You two love each other. Are you going to let a lifetime of history go down the drain just because of some childish disagreement? Yeah. Exactly. And Michael says, "Well, it's not childish and it's not just a disagreement. He disrespected my choices. He mocks me for wanting a family and a home. He calls me a defector and blames me for him and Justin breaking up." And Michael says that uh, Brian can think what he wants. It doesn't matter to him anymore. Um yeah. So what when, when we were watching I was like, okay, but wasn't Michael saying the same thing yep. even before yeah. Brian went off on him yep. in that episode? With he the does Ryan? it in
1: reverse. Yeah, I like, mean, mm-hmm. he
2: he was from the beginning.
1: You're too old for you're this. An you're an overgrown a party boy. Boy. Yeah, yeah like, mm-hmm.
2: He was, were you not mocking his? But anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, so Brian is always a bit sarcastic and cynical. And while I think a part of him is rolling his eyes at Michael's idea of wedded bliss, I think if it didn't make Michael start acting the way he did and start distancing himself, then Brian would have been pretty okay with it. Exactly. Like, Brian embraced the wedding. He embraced Michael's kids as much as someone like Brian is going to. But then Michael started getting all yelly and judgy, and he started to pull away. And so, like, well, I can't come to your... He started doing the whole world thing, like, your world and my world thing. And, yes, I feel like he was the one who put up a divide.
1: He he did the divide. It was Michael who (laughs) created the divide.
2: Yeah. True, Brian didn't want to lose Michael to the clones of Separateville, but we know... (laughs) That Michael can go extra when he's into something new I think and he even owned up to as much when he finally came to his senses about jr he realized that he was being over the top in that yeah. situation so he was aware of it then but he like is not seeing how he might be doing the same thing yeah when
1: you're upset you all you can see is my side my side my True. side he feeling attack protect attack but did you not stop to think that Brian is feeling attacked as well? Yeah. I mean, you came for everything that he loved. You're his best friend. You know everything about him.
2: And you know why he is the way he is.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you shredded him and just thought it was normal as if he's not going to clap back at
3: you,
2: mm-hmm. you know?
1: And you couldn't take his clap back. So now you're beefing. Both of them, they just need to humble themselves and, you know, just apologize and talk. You got too much friendship and too much
2: history. Okay. I have a question for you. Okay. How much do you think Debbie and the rest of the game, not including Justin, because we know he knows all of it, how much do you think they know about the fight?
1: Well, clearly they know. They all they know, know about the fight. Yeah. Yes, so they all know about the fight. Um, They only know it from one perspective, though, because Brian is not the type to go out here and just be spilling the tea. I mean, he's going to give you a very like vague response, tell you what's going on, and then you have to start piecing the puzzle together. And then you have to know how to speak Brian. If you don't know how to speak Brian, then you're not going to get any story. So, um, they only know it from Michael's perspective, which is probably the victim, <laughs> the victim perspective. Right. You know, he's always me, 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 poor he me, does me, show me. Mentality. Yeah. So, um, they know it, but they only know that Brian did this to me and Brian hurt me here and Brian isn't proud of me and Brian isn't happy for me. So I had to stand up for myself. This is for me. You mm-hmm. know, I'm standing up and I'm finally owning my own and I'm happy and he's just jealous. So that's what they know. And then hopefully that the friends are cool enough and smart enough to know that okay, well this is Michael. call, yeah. so we're gonna take this. You're five percent of this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe seventy five percent of this. Take
2: it with a whole pound. Yeah, of salt. that part. Yeah. Not even a grain.
1: A whole pound. Yeah. Okay. So. We're going to pick and pull from this. Okay, well, I can see Brian doing this, but I know Michael did this. You <laughs> right.
2: know? I think so. if this would have been earlier, even in season three, right. they would immediately just kind of jump on. Oh, it was
1: Brian's fault.
3: Yeah, yeah. But now
2: that they've seen more of Brian, and I think they've learned more of Michael, mm-hmm. they're probably like, okay, yeah, yeah like you were saying, like, yeah, some, like, some of mm-hmm. that was probably right, but some of that was probably not. Yeah.
1: I mean, okay. <laughs> he, he adding a little salt on that. Okay. He adding a little sugar to it, a little yeah. spice or flavor. I don't believe it all, so yeah, they know, but it's only from Michael's point of view.
2: I agree with that. Yeah, Brian's not gonna go airing that airing that out. No, yeah,
1: he he doesn't really talk much like that. Like mm-hmm. he, you can honestly say that Michael. And you know what? I will say they don't have any messy gays in here. Um, no, that's, <laughs> that's for real. Like, cause you gotta have one messy gay in the group, yeah. and they're they're not. You know, like they're they're really loyal to each other for mm-hmm. real. I mean, I guess the only messy one would be Michael because he tells his mama every <laughs> damn thing. And then she can't hold shit for she knows she's going to come. And, she's the messy yeah, one. Yeah, she's the messy one. OK, so, uh, yeah. But yeah, so really not that really messy one. So Brian, yeah, Brian definitely didn't say a damn thing. I don't know why I took it back there. I was just thinking about messy gays anyway. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Well, out on the cold, hard streets of Pittsburgh, Ben is leading a crew of volunteers. They're going door to door to try to get people to listen to them about Proposition 14. He knows not everyone will be receptive, and he tells them not to engage. Debbie has a more colorful way of putting that. Don't lose your bleeping temper and shoot off your big <laughs> mouth. I'm like, that, that message is probably for Debbie. For her. Girl, you know
1: she's going to be the first <laughs> yeah. one. Okay, yeah. door slam. Well, fuck you. <laughs> I can hear it right now. Chewing her gum. Yeah. And all that gum smack.
2: Yeah, they go off in pairs of two, and Melanie and Ted are together together. You know, I was liking Melanie's hair earlier this season, but I think we have made a wrong turn somewhere. Well, I think the
1: snow just <laughs> fucked it up that day. <laughs> like, it like, was cold. She's
2: still cute, but depending on which directions she like spike it or whatever, yeah. yeah, and where the light is hidden, like I am not a fan. It, yeah,
1: it doesn't it doesn't do her face any justice. And then the color she has on it, yeah, it just it's mm, mm.
2: yeah, no, Mm-mm.
1: it all depends on the style she's wearing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ted and Melanie are talking about his shiny new face and all the action he's been getting, but he tells her that something is missing, like mm-hmm, we were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Something like love and commitment. And I think he's probably comfortable saying this to Melanie before he's comfortable saying this to Brian and They Emmett. were
1: friends beforehand. They were closest. That was his closest yeah, friend.
2: and that's probably something that he feels like she would be able to relate to. Yeah. And so I, he's more comfortable telling her. Absolutely. Even though he told the guys like, oh, everything's great. Um, And Yes, so he is missing love and commitment and Melanie says that he needs a husband but Ted says, first he needs a boyfriend. <laughs> but finding one will not be easy. He has raised his standards over the season. He wants someone <laughs> financially secure and with a face like Brad Pitt, a body like Brad Pitt, and some nice equipment. <laughs>
1: so, Baby, I think it's all about everybody's. That's everybody's, everybody's list. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> yeah. Ted is someone who does want these rights that are being threatened and um, while he's been enjoying himself, I think it's a good way for him to try and protect the future that he hopes to have.
1: True, because we haven't seen him out with the rest of the gang. Or oh, did we see him? I don't think I, yeah, I haven't seen, has he? No. He hasn't been out. I mean, I know that he's been, uh, he definitely wants to protect those rights, but I don't think we've actually seen him out with Debbie in the rest Not of the gang. Not as game. much, mm-hmm. but it's
2: probably because they're doing it during the day. I don't, right. I don't really know. And he has to be a yeah. kinetic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Debbie and Ben are paired together and they get a door in their face on their first try. Um, <laughs> But Debbie is happy to see Ben getting out of the house. Michael's been hoping that maybe keeping busy might help Ben get his mind off Hunter. But so far, it has not. But I like these two par- the pairings of the people. Like Ted needs a friend who will lend an ear while he pours out his deepest desires yeah. and won't judge him for what he wants or laugh at him. Ben needs a mother and a fellow parent. Who can kind of understand the hurt and fear mm-hmm. of that impossible love that he's struggling with?
1: True. He's and they're both strong people as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I like how they were they were paired off like that. Justin and Jennifer are together and a nice old man answers the door and he is all in favor of supporting Proposition fourteen. And Jennifer says it's just the start of what bad things could come. The elderly could lose their right to social security. Women could lose their right to have an abortion. How crazy. Um, I know.
1: How crazy this will go back to our season one, y'all. If you go back to our season one, we talked about how this show is still so current now. 20 years ago, how these conversations that were had back then are relevant now. That's what we're going through now. It's crazy that these writers were ahead of the game and they knew what was, you know, what was coming up. And um it, it's, it's crazy, but it's the truth. What yeah. she said, like if we if they start with this. If they can get this Prop um, Prop 14 going, they can do anything. You know, if they can take away these simple rights that I'm just asking to be treated equal, period. Mm -hmm. They can definitely do anything that they want to do. You know, so that's why we, and again, we're not going to advocate like we did last week. You know what I'm saying? But we have to stay diligent, guys. We have to get out there. We have to vote. We have to make our voices be heard and do the same thing that they're doing out here. That's one thing that this show definitely showcased. They showcased that we're not going to take anything lying down. Yeah. They, they they have done many protests <laughs> yeah. on this show. They like, don't mind they organizing
2: don't. around an issue. They girl, do not mind it. Girl, not
1: at all. I mean, we have been taken down so many motherfuckers. Like, <laughs>
2: girl, we took everybody down. Like, yeah. it was
1: crazy. But keep going with Jennifer and I.
2: Yeah. Well, anyway, um, uh, the man says that they have his vote, but then his daughter shows up telling that he hasn't voted in 10 years because he has Alzheimer's. Aww. So not quite the success they thought it was. But I love the pairing of Jennifer and Justin too. In season one she talked about all these dreams that she had for her son and him having a family of his own someday. Of course at the time she was thinking he would have that with uh, with a woman. Mm-hmm. And now she's out here in these streets to defend his rights to have all that with a man if mm-hmm. he so chooses. So I really love that journey for, for two them. it's just
1: the growth of their relationship, you know, and it's it's come a long way. Um uh, season one with Jennifer, she never was against Justin. Um, she didn't. understand, she to understand she it She didn't know? know
2: how to respond. Right. So it took her a while to catch up. True.
1: Right. And then we see her in season two where she's better. Mm-hmm. You know she's getting better. It's still a work in progress. Yeah. You know, like well, because still, at
2: this yeah. point he's been bashed yes. for being gay. Yeah. Which is and being so himself. So that's it's like everything she feared mm-hmm. kind of came true. True. And so she did kind of go back a little bit mm-hmm. in season two,
3: but
1: and then by season three, you know, she's like part. She's just coming up to the loft. Yeah. You know. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> girl. You know, she's on speaking terms with Brian. I'm like, yeah. okay, oh, like, I love this. Season four, we didn't get a lot of her, but, um, we already know where, where they stand. Right. And the seed is now that in season five, they have this really, really good relationship. And it's kind of sort of like my life. I remember coming out, uh, at a young age and my mom was not cool with it at all. Like, it was terrible. So the fact that he can still maintain that relationship with his mom. I mean, it was, it's, it's precious.
2: Well, over at Kinetic, Brian is on the phone with a client and Theodore walks in. A client is in love in the new ad, which is very suggestive, but they should know, like, all Kinetic does <laughs> is, is suggestive. Yeah. Yeah. Ted invites Brian to come with him to a mixer if he wants to meet a man and uh, settle down. Brian asks if he's the only gay man who doesn't want to put a trousseau together and walk down the aisle. <laughs> because here it is, Ted's another one who's up yeah. you know, wanting that. Ted tells Brian that he's Thirty-five and not getting any younger. Well, he's actually—correction. Yeah, he's actually going to be thirty-nine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Brian is his employer. He has a paper trail to prove it. Absolutely. Yeah. Brian tells Theodore to ask Justin because rumor has it that he's hot for a hubby.
1: I was like, oh,
2: yeah, baby, you missing your man? <laughs> yeah. Why are you bringing him up? Why are you throwing him in there? Yeah, there's a little bitterness. Or yeah, there. baby, yeah. a little salty, baby. Yeah. Theodore would never, and he's also not touching that with a 10-foot pole, so he's just going to leave. Yeah. But before he can get away, Brian tells him that there are many uncertainties in this life, many mysteries beyond our comprehension. The one thing he knows for a fact is that he will be nev- he will never be Mrs. Seymour Goldfarb, which is from a movie. The cannonball room. Cause I was like, like what is that? Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what's so funny about this show is like, they make a lot of references to like old, even if you weren't around in the 2000s, it's like older references that yeah. they're making. Yeah, a lot of people wouldn't get it. <laughs> like I said, right. just didn't
1: care. we going to do this.
2: Yeah. If you that's know, sure you right? know. Yeah, for real. <laughs> they were, yeah, they were the kings of if you know, yes. you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, Brian is not interested in going to this mixer to look for someone to settle down with. Back on the street, Jennifer and Justin are done for the day. They weren't able to convince as many people as they had hoped that they would keep on trying. A guy on a motorcycle pulls up next to them and asks Jennifer if he's late. She goes all like blushy and schoolgirl and tells him like, oh no, we just got here. So well, Justin wants to know who this man is. And Jen tells him, basically, stay out of Grandpa's <coughs> business. Well, not really. She just tells him, okay, see you later. We'll talk later. And then she takes the helmet from this hot young thing and hops on the back of his bike and tell Justin to keep up the good work as
1: she rides off with a wave. Girl, my mouth dropped. I was yeah. dead, okay? For one, I thought the boy was pulling up for Justin. Yeah. They looked damn near the same age, okay? Yeah. And then when she started talking to him, I'm like, okay, well, he's going to come out and help them with the flyers and stuff, you know, and talk. And then when she put the helmet on, I was like, you well, brought she on threw out.
3: what? she threw the hair the Baby, head. she <laughs> did a little
1: hair dance. You know how you make, you wiggle your head and a little hair dance? She did the hair dance. I was like, Okay. Then she got on that bike. I was like, You brought a work, girl. Yeah. She deserves it though. <laughs> she
3: does. I mean, we had
1: terrible ass Craig, you know, and she was married to that trash. Right. So, I mean, like, uh. And she needed a little excitement. I was she happy. Does. Yeah. yeah. Justin's face is shook. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> shook.
2: That has totally caught him off guard. Melanie and Lindsay are home and they are both working at the dining room table. They are kind of like spilling over into each other's space, like papers ending up in the wrong piles, but They seem genuinely fine with it all. Melanie comes across a printout of a really great looking piece and Lindsay tells her that it's one of Justin's and it's going to be in the upcoming Emerging Artist Show at her gallery. Lindsay tells her that it's great and to just wait until she sees it in person. Well, it gets a little awkward and Lindsay's like, you are coming to the opening, right? Well, Melanie has plans with Corinne. Lindsay tells her that she doesn't have to hide it and Melanie doesn't want her to feel uncomfortable though. So she they were going to do something different Lindsay says she's fine with it they can come and i fully expect the next thing to be her in brian's office crying about this girl me too
1: i was like well girl i hear you what your voice is saying but your eyes are telling yeah. me something else like i mean are you fine
2: yeah because just last episode when you quote unquote had to take a trash, trash out, out. with
1: one little CVS bag in a damn trash yeah girl, you could have put that in the car and took that down to the little store. You know what I'm saying? Like, that
2: left her crying when she saw that. So, like, okay, girl, if you say so. Well, over at Debbie and Carl's, Drew is still hiding out there within it, and the paparazzi are all out, all out front. There is a gossip rag on the table, and the cover is a Photoshopped image of Drew at Babylon. He's never even been to Babylon, except for in that dream. Girl, I was like, was oh, my God, time. when they
1: were supposed to go on that date. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, my God, he's in Babylon. Drew is showing the fuck out, and then no, reality God. said up. Yeah. It's a fucking dream. It
2: really looked like some of my Photoshop work. Like, his head was, like, five times Girl, too big for the box. for real. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Emma tells him not to let it get to him, and that things will be different once he comes out. Debbie's very happy to hear that he's going to come out, but he hasn't quite decided like how he's going to do that. Uh She tells him that he should do it on Larry King and RIP to Larry King, but he was kind of invasive when the cast of Chris Folk went on to interview with him years ago. And he did ask Robert or Ben if he was gay or straight. He's asking all of them that. And a lot of them tried to avoid that question because they didn't want to like take away from yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. And he asked Robert that and who, was gay personally but was not out professionally Ooh. and so he asked him that and then robert didn't answer it directly because he had a plan for how he wanted to come out and that he knew that wasn't going to be the space that was going to allow him to really say what he wanted to say when he made right. when he publicly you know said all of that so he didn't and then Larry King just assumed like oh he's one of the straight rooms and so kind of anyway so it's interesting that they suggested Larry King. Wow. Anyway, both Debbie and Emmett say it has to be on Drew's terms, and Drew is obviously struggling a bit with all of this. But Emmett is having his own little crisis and feeling a little bit of, feeling like a bit of a hypocrite. Yeah. He's still Channel 5's queer guy, which probably means he went back to doing the kind of material they hired him to do, because if he would have pulled that stunt again, he'd have been, he been fired. He would fired, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's doing non-threatening puff pieces, like teaching people how to fold dinner napkins, Instead of being out and proud
1: like he's telling Drew to be. I mean, it's a sad case because Emin is known for pushing the envelope. And um, this job started out so great. I feel like it was going to be a great opportunity. Emin was going to get the shine. He was going to do his thing. But all it's really done was just like caused him headache and grief and made him second guess himself. And like you said, he's a hypocrite because he's out here trying to tell Drew to live his best gay life and come out and be proud. But you can't even live, do what you do. It's kind of sad.
2: Yeah, it, yeah it's it really is. sad yeah because they're both in these really weird situations where yeah well in a lot of ways people are having to make decisions in this episode about how out am i going to be how committed to this am i going to be they're just having to make lots of decisions like that
1: and it's just sad like why why, why do gay people got to come out like why why i know that's what, what one guy
2: was like nobody has to come out as straight yeah like <laughs> what about
1: we got to come out why do you need to know who i'm fucking mm-hmm. like that's the issue like that i'm having like i am grown until you are paying my bills, nobody's paying Drew's bills. Nobody's paying Emmett's bills. Right. You're not paying my fucking bills. So why you wanna know who I'm fucking? Mm-hmm. Period. I don't have to come out and address anything. I don't need to give no big ass speech. If right. I give this speech, are y'all give me a million dollars. Like, I mean, what's the prize? <laughs> right. I didn't came out. What I win? Like, damn. Why, why all the pressure? Yeah,
2: I know it is. It is crazy that people do have to do. When you think about it the other way, like you don't have to come out and say. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no. I'm dating a woman. I'm dating a man. Like. Okay, yeah. let's clap
1: it up for you. High five. <laughs> like, what the
2: hell? Yeah. Uh Jennifer is at Justin's place, which is um coming along. He's got some liquor and some chips. So we're, you know. We're getting we some progress. Yeah. I I love that she's like a nervous teenager talking to her parent about the new boy at school yes. in this scene. She's like, Oh, it's kind of a funny story. She was dropping Molly off at school on Mars in her station. I was yeah. thinking, girl, you was not
1: dropping <laughs> Molly grown by now. You did not drop her ass off at of
3: school.
2: Yeah. Well, then this motorcycle comes flying past her, and a guy in all black asks her if she wanted help. And she took him up on the offer. It turned into coffee. And then there was Tuck, short for Tucker. Yes. And he is a science teacher at Molly's school. No, he's not. These are all lies.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm She She does not go to school. Okay? And matter of fact, Molly was a mirage. Like, we thought we saw a little girl named Molly. But that, that was just, the yeah, that was, no.
2: yeah, they he, that was, you know, when you're a kid, you have an invisible friend. That was him. That, that was, was that her. Was yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it just, and so. they just, they let,
2: just it, let it, you know, they, they let it ride. Yeah, so. they
1: let it ride so Justin wouldn't feel crazy.
2: Yeah, the therapist was like, at some point, he'll get past <laughs> it. Just don't say anything about it. That part. Go along with it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Justin does not see the humor in Jennifer's story. She ignores his little comment and tells him that they started chatting and, um, so they've kind of been together. Jennifer is over his attitude. So she just kind of wraps up the story. Rather than sit at home and finish reading How to Survive a Divorce, she went for it. It was a guy who was into her. She hadn't been with anybody since Craig. And so she went for it. And why shouldn't she? And She's a beautiful woman. Yeah.
1: She needs to do that. She needed it for herself. And she hasn't been with Craig for forever. Yeah. And it's the first guy. What I did like about the scene is that Justin was not receptive. For the most yeah. part, he's always supporting his mom. Mom, you can do this. You, I'm so proud of you. But he was not i can understand being protective because everybody knows i'm whoever knows me i'm a mama's boy i will go to war over over my mom yeah. okay like mess with her if you want to um so i can understand being protect protective but he wasn't like he was being sarcastic he was being mean he was being a little rude he was not happy he didn't celebrate that she was seeing someone you know i think like, it's
2: the age thing they got him he's just embarrassed by it
1: that's fine but it can be yeah. the same thing that she can do to him i know he's a kid but he he was a kid when he met brian but you met somebody
3: who's new...
1: young. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, he was young. You he you he were young. You know, a young adult when you met Brian, who was like damn to half your age. Okay. Right. I don't twice see. Your age. Yeah. Yeah. Twice your age. I don't see. Um. I don't see the difference. Like, don't don't.
2: Well, for me, if I'm being honest, if my mom was dating a 20 year old, I would. I mean, I don't. I'm but if you like were, Justin... if you were dating
1: a 40 year old, if you were dating. If you were 20 and oh, dating yeah, a 40-year-old... She'd
2: have an issue. She wouldn't... T- she'd kind of trust my judgment on things, so she wouldn't be like, yes. you can't date him. But I would probably... I wouldn't say it to her because I tend to just, like, my mouth shut about personal right. things like that with my mom. But I think I would feel a little bit embarrassed, I think.
1: So let's argue, then. So you're saying Justin's actions are justified?
2: No, no, no. I'm just saying I understand my dad... Had a uh, young wife. She oh. was legal. She was, a yes. adult, but he had a young wife, and I was a little embarrassed about it. I lied about her age for a couple of years. For real? Yeah.
1: Why? Oh my god, that because just makes your daddy cool. That makes him cool <laughs> well,
2: and young. I, but because he's the man. I don't know, but I just felt maybe it's different. Maybe if you're a guy and your dad has a young wife, I don't know. Maybe you think it's cool. But as a girl, I don't know. It, it bothered me.
1: Mm,
3: I've seen, no, never it. I'm like not that. saying
2: he's not being bratty. He is being bratty. But I can kind
1: of get it. I mean, maybe I just never thought about anything like that. And maybe that's why I like older people, because I remember my mom, my stepdad had a a big age gap. Looking back at it, I'm like, I'm looking back like, girl, what the hell were you doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, what were you doing? But he was an excellent man. And so to me, age isn't nothing but a number. Really, nothing but a number.
2: No, I I feel that way. I agree with that. But I get why he was.
1: But you still could just have a, a normal conversation with her. I didn't right. like, I didn't like yeah, the little no, attitude. He's, yeah,
2: he's been bratty. Yeah, yeah, it
1: gave me season one Justin when he but, would tell her but, to get the fuck out the room but type shit. that's the
2: she. thing. That's part of Justin's character. Right. Part of his personality is that he can be a little bratty spot. Yes. That's just, that's just the truth of it. So
1: Right. <laughs> now, I'm just going to chalk it up to him being young.
2: Yeah. Well, anyway, this is not a fling. This has been going on for like six months.
1: Then so, I would have had an attitude. Six
2: months! Yeah. Like six months?
1: <laughs> and you. Didn't, or, I see you every day.
2: Yeah.
1: And you didn't tell me nothing? Then I would have had an attitude on that. But as far as I having a man, I'm like, girl, keep no, me eye I, yeah,
2: I won't. No, as yeah. as just like me fangirling over Jennifer because I love Jennifer. Yes. I'm all like, yes, girl, do you? Yes. But as a person who has had a parent date someone younger, I get the yeah the awkwardness. Yeah. But anyway, before we leave this scene, I do want to point out that Jennifer took a night class on car maintenance after Craig left, and I want to highlight that little nugget. She like pulled herself together and got her independent woman on for real.
1: <laughs> when she said that, I, I automatically thought about y'all's family, like your entire family, because y'all can do anything. Oh, you like,
2: the women in my family. Yes. Oh, yeah.
1: Anything, like I mean, oh, yeah. for real, <laughs> for real. So it was like, damn, she's strong. Like, and that's what we, that's what, that's what we've always seen in Jennifer, her, her resilience and how strong she was. You know, mm-hmm. so I was like, yeah, go ahead.
2: So Brian is home, chilling on the couch with a joint and uh, some kind of coffee table book. And he's listening to Colonial's Monk, a great piano player. There's a knock at his door and it is Debbie. She finds him alone in a rare and unexpected moment. She's back with more tuna macaroni casserole. Brian does not want it. No,
3: he (laughs) knows the signs. Yes,
2: tuna macaroni casserole means they're going to get stoned and have very meaningful conversation. Unfortunately, he just finished his last joint, so oh, too bad. But fortunately...
1: Debbie plans for the yeah, occasion.
2: Yeah, Debbie brought one with her. Yes. And then she goes and closes the door. She, I love She's so cute. When she's yes. like,
1: no on, by Watch your fingers. <laughs> you don't want to smash in <laughs> now. Move. Yeah. I'm coming in.
2: Because this is going down. Yes. Uh, Brian wants to know if the detective knows that his blushing bride is a pothead. And she says nothing feels a good relationship faster than full disclosure. I died. Yeah. Okay. After they are Stoned, Debbie says that she doesn't like the way Brian's been treating Michael. I would have preferred her yeah. to say that different. Yeah,
1: okay. When she said, I said, "Girl, yeah, like, like you
2: were doing good." And yeah. then here we go. I
1: thought we were gonna make some progress, and then you come like, up. <laughs> I don't like the way you treated Michael. No, I don't like the way the fuck michael's cheating. I'm um, treating Brian.
2: Yeah. Okay.
1: How about that? He yeah. started the shit.
2: She says I don't like that you two boys are fighting with each. Like I would have preferred. I would have preferred her to say, I don't like that you two boys are fighting yes. with each
1: other. Well, I don't like how you guys are, you know, handling each other. Right. Equal, equal um, responsibility. At
2: least equal. Yes. Yeah, I feel like it's not equal. And it's more, you know, Michael's issue. But at I least treat I mean, as a mama, she
1: can't she can't turn on her son. Right? right? Wrong or right? Yes, because so. she
2: loves Brian, which is evident by her showing up here and trying to help talk to him so they can fix this friendship. But as much as Brian is like a son to her, Michael is, is. Mm-hmm. her son. <laughs> Yeah. And typically, in the past, Brian has appeared to be the one with more power in that friendship. I don't think that he had more power because Michael was the one who could walk away, and the one who can walk away is the one who has more power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. well Brian tells her to butt out, but she tells him, but she calls him out for being on Michael's case ever since him being bought that house. And I guess Debbie forgave and forgot that Michael was getting fly with her too after he bought the house. Oh, absolutely. But several times, I remember him yelling at her face, going yeah. on her. yeah, anyway. Debbie says that Michael fell in love. He got married and had a family. That's everything that he's ever wanted. He always wanted a normal home. Uh, she doesn't understand why Brian has a problem with that. Actually, she does. She says he doesn't actually have a problem with it. Uh, Brian's problem, which we already suspected for a while now, is that Michael left him and moved on.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Only he didn't, she says. Well, he kind of did. But <laughs>
1: yes, but he didn't. I get what she's but saying. But he didn't, yeah. yeah.
2: So y'all just made different choices, and it doesn't mean that you don't still love each other. Brian's entire posture and his whole face confesses that that's really the truth of it. That's exactly how he feels like Michael has left him.
1: This exchange between Debbie and Brian was needed. It it, it was, it was such a good look, good moment, a good conversation. And we got to see some realness from Brian because Mm -hmm. no one was going to get him to open up and talk about things like that. Debbie forced him into it. We really didn't force him because she already knew what to do. And, and Brian wants to talk. He just, you don't, you have to know how to engage with Brian to get it out of him. Debbie knows him like a book in and out. I mean, she raised him, basically. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that she actually stepped in off that little stoop, little perch she's on and made a little way over to the loft and, you know, had this conversation with him. She got into his head and let him know, like, hey, nothing's changed. You know, you guys made different choices, but you're still going to be there. It goes back to that family thing just because you don't always agree, but you're still family, you know, like, and that's what you guys are. Y'all are brothers. And I loved it. Like, I mean, I didn't like the way she started it off, but the way yes. she ended. Yeah. I was like, you go daddy.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. And then like thinking back to the, the earlier episodes of season five, Brian was aggressive and stubborn because he saw it very black and white. Like he didn't see how Michael could go in that direction that he was going in and stay as Mikey as his best friend. And so it was an all or nothing situation as far as Brian was concerned. And, I think that's where he was wrong in their fight. Like, he treated yes. it as though it was going to be an all or nothing thing, and he didn't, you know, allow for he, the possibility yeah. that it could have been. He can do both and. You know? And he
1: took that gamble and he came up short. Yeah. You know, because, and so
2: he was very pushy and very adamant and very aggressive. And so that's where that's where he was a little wrong in the, you know, that's how he contributed to,
3: mm-hmm. to the
2: fight. I um, do contend that Michael contributed quite a bit too, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brian tells her that Michael won't talk to him. And she says, well, you go talk to Michael. But yeah, I think Brian has been feeling left and abandoned and rejected. And everything that he's been doing lately has been in response to that. But now it's like, okay, after he had that kind of light bulb moment with the branded thing. And Mm -hmm. I actually think it's really good that he won that bet and made and was able to make the choice to say, no, I don't want this anymore. Because that was showing his growth there. But so he's like, okay, well, I'm not going to, I can tell myself and I won't tell anybody else. I'm not really... Loving how things are going right now mm-hmm. and how things are working out, but I don't really know where to go from here because he's like never been in this spot before, right? And so he doesn't really know where to go from there. But anyway, I love this scene and I love Debbie for coming to check on him and for speaking some truth to him. Yep, like she can talk to Brian in a way that, that, well, no, I'm not gonna say that. I was gonna say she can talk to Brian in a way that no one else can, but I actually disagree with that. I think other people can talk to him and get through to him now. Mm-hmm. I think there was a time when. When Debbie it was only been, Michael
1: and Debbie only that yeah. could get through him, get through, get through to him, but he still he, he listens to Ted, his, he listens, it, yep, his, and,
2: to and Justin, he listens to and Lindsay, and Lindsay as well. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it's all of those things piling up. Yep. Like in the last episode, it was a lot of those things piling up yep. that got him to be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yeah, I do think other people can talk to him and get through to him in a similar way, but I still think that he and Debbie have a very special relationship. And sometimes you just need to hear something from your mom, like. <laughs> There are times when the opposite is true, where yeah. you would rather, you can receive it from a stranger better than from your mom. Right. But there are times when you just kind of need to hear something from true the mother figure in your life. Yeah. Yeah. So I love this scene. I love the last time they did tuna yes. and <laughs> a joint, Tuna and a toke at the loft. Yeah. And yeah, I love Debbie for not taking a side on this. I mean, she came at it a little, a little, yeah. you know, the first line was a little wrong, but to she me, recovered but it though. Yeah. She didn't say anything to him about his relationship with Justin or anything or do anything to try to get that relationship back. What do you think about that?
1: I'm glad she stayed out of his personal business yeah. like that. Like this was a family matter. Mm-hmm. This is like you boys been friends forever. Y- y'all are brothers. Y'all need to stop tripping yeah, over she something re- so yeah. silly.
2: I think that's exactly it. She yeah. was approaching that says like the mom and these are my two sisters. Yeah, sons.
1: exactly. Like I'm getting y'all together. Like clearly I was trying to let y'all work it out, but it's not it's not moving fast enough. So for, as far as her not mentioning anything about the personal pride relationship, I was happy that she stayed out of that business because Debbie does have a habit of overstepping and I don't need you in my relationship now. OK, like, yes, we love you, but don't be in a relationship now. That's something I don't need you.
2: In. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I fully agree with all of that. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of their like they're very public with the PDA, with mm-hmm. the you know physical affection, but a lot of their relationship, Brian and Justin, happens.
1: Privately. privately, just mm-hmm. between
2: the two of them. Like there are a lot of things about that relationship that only the two of them know.
1: And that's why we love that relationship mm-hmm. so much because it wasn't always out for the public. It made it seem more genuine and more real because they would have those beautiful little moments when they're alone just at the loft, you know, or in the shower, or just laying in the bed cuddling, just justin cooking dinner, you know, right. or a picnic or something, like anything. It was always those those beautiful romantic little those moments. Those little small the small things, little yeah. moments that they would share by themselves, not out in the group. Matter of fact, a lot of times when they're out in the group they're just, it's almost like they were just friends. They didn't really, he's gonna hug on him, put an arm around his chest, you know, for sure. But it wasn't like when they're, when they're alone at the house.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't have been the right time, the right, she's not the right person to, to delve into that. Yeah, I think I'm glad that she kept personal, personal. And I don't think it's that Debbie feels that Brian's friendship with Michael is more important than his relationship with Justin. I think she just knows it's not her place to get involved in that right exactly. now. Yeah. And if they want to move on, away from each other, then she is respecting that. I think that she I do think that she wants them to be together because she knows that they love each other. Mm -hmm. But she's respecting them as two men making their own decisions. Both
1: of them. Because she loves both of them. So Yeah.
2: And friendships and relationships are different. Yes. And so you have to treat those differently. Absolutely. I will say that I feel like if Michael and Brian are going to repair their friendship, it shouldn't be simply based on the past and not letting that history go down the drain. It needs to be more about a mutual love and respect for where yes. they are and like moving right forward and moving forward. Yeah, because
1: it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be that 14, 15 year old kid, you know, and then going through your teenage years to your 20s into mm-hmm. where you are now. Like It needs to be this is where we are, you know, and th- that's where we came from. Yeah. But this is where we are. And moving forward, this is how we're going to respect each other, you know, and we're going to create this world and this life together moving like this you know right,
2: like yeah. i love and you not just because of the history yes, that we've had exactly
1: you
3: know?
2: but my mom is such a kind-hearted person but she like hates to let anything go yes <laughs> and she'll be the one trying to keep other people together and trying to do It's like mom it's okay sometimes friendships just fall apart
1: like i think people because i'm the same type of way like i will hold on to something way too long when i know i should have let it go a long a long time ago and it's mostly it's jobs uh, but, <laughs> yeah, <that's> but yeah. <laughs> It's because you don't want to feel like a failure. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to fail. You don't, you don't want to let it go. You always can see some good in something, you know? And, um, that's how I am. And I think that maybe that's where Brian is at. Like I invested so much time, you know, I yeah. can see what this, I mean, like we know well, for a fact loves he loves. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: This is his best friend yes. since he 14.
1: And it just, I don't know. I, I don't think he thought it was going to play out. This long, you know, like the way it's going, this
2: intense to where you know it's one thing if Michael's gonna show up and lecture him Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing at the loft. I think he preferred that to this. Just you won't even acknowledge that I'm in the diner. Yeah, not everybody else. But me, but not me. Yeah, I love that this scene gave us the bottom line of it because a lot of people were frustrated with with Brian and like why is he so adamant about this party? What he's being, whatever. We get a lot of comments on this. This what I'm talking about, and so. I think this gives us this is why he was doing all of that. It was mm-hmm. really him trying to get Michael to stay with him and still be his friend. Yes. So yeah. Well Michael and Melanie are out with JR and they are talking about the power and money behind Proposition fourteen. Lots of big corporations. Melanie apologized for coming across coming across a little extreme, but it feels like living in Nazi Germany these days is what she says. Her very Jewish grandfather told her a story about how everyone thought he was nuts for leaving Germany earlier, for leaving Germany early. They all said that he, um, was crazy. Nothing bad would happen. And he died at the age of 87 while the rest of his family died in, in camps. Right. And Michael does think that she's a little over the top. He's like, what are we supposed to do? Pack up and move to Paris? Well, they have a gay mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? If, Somewhere in the last few years, you haven't felt even just a little bit concerned for your safety, either as a gay person, as a woman, as a black person, as a trans person, as a minority, as an Asian American or Pacific Islander, then consider yourself very privileged. Yes. And very lucky to not know what that fear is like. Because they're like the whole country is moving against you. Yes.
1: (laughs) All eyes on you at all points, at all times. So, yeah, it's very scary. So, yeah, you should be feeling ve- feeling very lucky.
2: Yeah. If you've not felt that to where you're like, oh, man, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe I need to get out of here. <laughs> right? Then you are very lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, it sounds like Mel is going over the top, but that's what they, I mean, that was the perfect example and analogy to use. Like everyone, oh, no, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And then we saw how it. How it, very
2: it, not fine yes, it was.
1: Exactly. Yeah. For years. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she's right on the right track. Like if we just lay down and we just, oh, it's going to be Okay. Before we know it, you know, with our eyes closed, we're going to have the wool pulled over our heads, you know, like, right. so we have to act now. And we can't just say, oh, this is something so small. Something so small can be something so grand. And then right. we're all the the fools.
2: Melanie catches the cats wherever she's going and leaves Michael with JR. As they get closer to Michael's store, his alarm is going off. Someone uh threw a brick through his windows. What
3: happened in that? Mm, that
2: is, yeah. yeah. That's a sign. Yeah. Mm-mm. Debbie, Carl, and more officers are there. Nothing was stolen, so it seems like this is more of an intimidation tactic. Yep. This Uh, is a warning. Yeah. Carl thinks it's an act of, he's like, oh, it's just an act of vandalism. Debbie says, well, maybe it was a kid trying to steal a comic book. Well, now, after talking to Melanie, Michael is like, maybe it was like a hate crime or Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Carl doesn't see any evidence of that, and he thinks Michael is getting a bit carried away, which is funny because Michael just accused Melanie of the same Mm thing. Yeah, you mentioned that uh Carl seemed to have regressed a little bit. Yeah,
1: like (laughs) I didn't he didn't show like any worry. It's like like
2: he didn't even consider I think it's because Carl on the job is so used to Carl on the job. Right. And Carl at at home with Debbie or at the diner is different. Right. So Yeah, they just, you know, when he's been a detective for years, and so they just kind of get numb to
1: things. True. I want to go with his expertise, but at the same time, like, you're not even taking into consideration that this could have been a warning shot fired at my place because I'm gay. You know, like.
2: Well, because Michael holds up the the rage in JT. Yes. He's like, well, it could have been about this. Mm -hmm. You know, them them angry about seeing this.
1: I don't know. It just didn't. I was like, oh, Lord, Carl, like, I've advocated for you, baby. Like, we've come so far. Like, I don't want to see. <laughs> I, I don't want to see you regress now, boo. Yeah.
2: Well, Emmett is on set, and he figured out the napkin swans for the most part. Um, but he is struggling with this segment. You can see that his heart is not in this anymore. Like, the smile and the joy are it's fake. fake yeah. and
1: he's stuttering over his words. He has no passion behind the There's words. no
2: light in his eyes. No. Yeah. He's
1: just going through the motions to get this check to get this segment over.
2: Yeah, yeah. Don comes over after the camera's cut and, and tells him about a queer guy special they want to run. Emmett will prepare and serve a meal for a hot, straight couple. Ooh. I'm like, you yeah, know, why, yeah. Yeah.
1: why is that enjoyable for him?
2: Well, I'm like, and why can't it be a mix of uh, yeah, couples? Uh, yeah, why exactly. can't it be a whole dinner party where there are yes. all kinds of couples?
1: And why couldn't you just say a couple? The fact that <laughs> you have to say a hot, straight couple. Like, I don't give a damn. Now I don't want to cook. Yeah. Okay, no, my fingers are hurting. I-, I have arthritis. I can't do it. Yeah,
2: you know, there's a fine line here. But if I'm Emmett, I'm thinking I may be a TV personality, but I am not a jester or Thank a you. performance clown. Nope. I think this is starting to get to be a, way too much.
1: And this, th- his boss is doing the most, like yeah. doing the most. Like, can somebody please slap his little ass, <laughs> okay, and get him a toupee? Yeah.
2: Like, Lord. Well, there's some other guy who works at the station, and he comes over to tell Don that he just heard from Drew Boyd, and Drew wants to give them an exclusive interview about the allegations that he's gay. All they see is ratings. Like, they're so excited about this. And all Emmett is thinking about is Drew is about to bear his soul on TV mm-hmm. while Emmett continues to play homo ineffectual and non-sexual. Mm-hmm. So, well, Ted made it to Woody's for the mixer, and he's scoping out the crowd. And while he's not paying attention, he spills his cranberry juice all over some guy there. And this guy, he matches some of the lists, It looks like yeah. he's got the looks requirement. Yeah, he looks good. Yeah. He, as they're talking, he says, "Oh no, I don't. I don't drink, or he rarely drinks. So that's, you know, that's that's kind of a thing. So that won't be an issue with them." His name is Adam. His brother is an accountant, like Ted. Adam is a doctor. Things are going well, and like Ted wants to know more he's great at tennis he hates opera but he loves ballet ballet. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: he
2: invites Ted to come to a show with him it's like okay come for a mixer okay yeah I'm liking this (laughs) I was like okay you
1: didn't pull you a doctor he's good looking and tall baby I
2: have never done a mixer like a singles mixer all the movies tell me that they're usually a disaster unless you're the main character in a rom-com
1: that part (laughs) girl we're gonna have to just go and just be silly and do like speed dating one day and just check it out so we can come back and give y'all all all the tea about how the speed date was (laughs)
2: We see Ben working at the table at home. Michael comes in with an anti Prop 14 sign. It looks just like the signs on their front lawn. And that's because it was the one on their <laughs> front lawn. Michael pulled it and brought it back in. Uh, he says, like, aren't we doing enough by canvassing and volunteering? Like, do we really need the signs? But ben tells them that it's about solidarity. Nearly every house on their street has a sign out front, including Elon's house.
1: Okay, now, that would have been like, well, then we definitely ain't keeping the shit.
2: Elachi is like their epitome for yes, everything. I can't stand it. It's like, well, Elanche's doing it. We yes. have to do it. <laughs> Michael is all worked up because he feels like he's already been a target today. That scene that scene at the comic book store really got to him. Ben tells them to try and stay level headed, but Michael wants to know how level headed Ben will be when they round them up and ship them off to camps. Ben gives him a little space he's like, Okay, we're doing the whole <laughs> Michael is going to be things. Yes.
1: <laughs>
3: so
2: let me back up. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Moonwalk real quick. <laughs> yeah.
2: Michael says, takes a break. That takes a minute. Collects himself and says, I know you think I'm being ridiculous, but I would hate for something terrible to happen just because we didn't pay attention to the warnings. Michael has very quickly had a change of heart and mind. Now that happens after something big and scary hits you out of nowhere. You immediately react and everything becomes more urgent and more yes. heightened.
1: I understand what he's going through because, I mean, you kind of right. Putting out those signs, I mean, you're putting a target well, on your back. Yeah. yeah,
2: because when Charlotte and Amanda were at the door, he was like, "No, we're taking that. We're taking Proposition 14 down. Yes, no, we're gonna do everything we can to defeat you." And then he was, "Oh, well, you know, it's not that bad, something that extreme, like mm-hmm. you know." And then he's, so he's kind of all over the place.
1: Yeah. yeah, and I mean, he's rattled. I mean, yeah. if they were just breaking into the shop or whatever the case, because of that, who knows what they're gonna do if they break into your house? They could break into your house, they could kill you, they could burn it up, whatever the case. You just never know. So I understand his reservations why he's going through that. But um, I mean, you gotta be strong, baby. I mean, if you're yeah. gonna if you're gonna march and stand you. Gotta you gotta march. Gotta... You
2: gotta keep marching. Yeah, yeah for, real. for real, you gotta do. Yeah. If you join the lineup, yeah, yeah, you gotta march all the way to the finish. That part. <laughs> yeah. Drew was over at the studio and uh he's getting ready to go on air. <laughs> and,
1: um, Looking delicious by the way.
2: Yeah. And he it turns out he knows this guy, this other reporter guy. Um but anyway, they're on air discussing the whole Boyd likes boys rumors. The reporter is fully expecting Drew to deny all of this. He thinks that there is no way there can be any truth to it. Drew is an outstanding athlete. He's a man's man. No way he's into dude. Emmett is there off screen, but he's in Drew's line of sight, and I'm so glad that he stuck around to be, yes. there, to be there for this. Well, it's been a difficult time for Drew, but the sooner he addresses the issue, the sooner he can get on with his life, is what he says. He starts by saying that most of the stories out there are lies and total exaggeration. The reporter's like, yep, just like I thought. He's over there nodding, <laughs> like, hmm yeah, I knew it was lies, mm-hmm. And then uh he tells Drew's millions of fans that he's sure that's a relief for them. Yes, what that, I is that like, like, I'm sure you guys are relieved. Yeah,
1: like, I was like, what? my eyes rolled. I am disgusted
2: with yeah. him, yeah. yeah. Well, Drew goes on and says, but if you're asking me if I'm gay, the answer is yes. Everyone is speechless. Girl. And Emmett is there with a big, proud smile on his face. Yes. The reporter can't believe that a guy like Drew can be gay. He can't even picture Drew kissing another man. Not like Emmett. <laughs> and excuse you? Yeah, that's when
1: I flip my hair. Uh, what? <laughs> what? What'd you say?
2: Yeah. Uh, Drew says, actually, bud, it was your queer guy, Emmett Honeycutt, who helped me find the courage to not just be a man's man, but to be my own man. And I would like to thank him. And at this Girl, point, of course, at this point, Ken, Ken is all- screaming. Yeah, he jumps all the way up.
1: <laughs> I am on her beautiful sofas, y'all. Okay. Yeah. Screaming in her beautiful home.
2: Yeah. Okay. And Drew walks over and he gives Emmett a very big, very public kiss. And it is everything. It is. I it's mean, we have seven, Bogan, duck Walking, all baby, of it.
1: All of it, okay. <laughs> I mean, I was like, we should pop some damn champagne.
2: Okay. Yeah. Lord have mercy. Uh, we go over to the art show, and Jennifer bought her new boo. We get to see that they're there together. And Justin is there looking very mature in yeah. his turtleneck. It's given mm-hmm. modern Andy Warhol. Andy yes. Warhol was from Pittsburgh, and the black turtleneck was one of his signature. Oh. But it's not like a modern twist with that boo on it. Mm-hmm. Lindsay introduces Justin to Simon Caswell, a critic from the Art Forum magazine. Simon usually turns down her invitations to Pittsburgh because he felt that Warhol was the best it had to offer. Mm-hmm. But this time, he says he could be wrong as he's like looking Justin up and down like he's the piece on his Yeah, I'm like, like, you creep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Simon tells Justin that his work has a surprising intensity to it, especially for someone so young. And um, it really is amazing. Like I yeah. piece he's on the wall there. It's mm-hmm. really great. Yeah. But we're not surprised because the boy has been bad since yes, season one.
1: That part, okay. <laughs> we knew he was gonna make it. He was going yeah. to
2: the top. And now I know some people have an issue with like, why is he painting all of a sudden? I thought he was doing like animation or whatever. Okay, when you're an artist, a lot of times you, you just kind of explore all. Yeah, time. So exactly. I don't, I don't have a problem with it being painting now. Like, True, I really don't have a problem. With and, it.
1: and you just never know. Like I mean, like you said, he's an artist. He never just said, "I'm just gonna focus solely on this." You know, like yeah. We met him doing sketches in a book. Well, Brad's you know? an artist. I'm yes. sure he does multiple types of multiple art. types of yeah. art. I mean, everything. So, I mean, whatever comes to you, you know, like it's not like a, a regular job. It's all inspiration. So, whenever you hit with the inspiration, whatever hits your imagination, I mean, you got to let it out and express it. And that's what he did. And he created this gorgeous ass piece. And he got all of Pittsburgh out here talking about.
3: It.
2: Yeah. Simon asks what made Justin want to be an artist, and he said it was either that or be a mass murderer. Like, Sassy Justin is never going anywhere. <laughs> Simon leaves, saying he'll be in touch, and Lindsay points out that, hey, he gave you very high praise. It didn't feel like that, but I guess Lindsay knows him. Justin wants to brush him off for being so snobby. Yes. But Lindsay tells Justin that Simon's very influential, so like uh, he really means something to he mm-hmm. like to Melanie and Corinne come over, and apparently, from the way everyone is talking, this might as well be a one-man show. Justin is a hit.
3: Yes.
2: Hey, we'll go back to that, but I want to talk about Melanie and Corinne. Uh, Corinne, I'm not sure how I feel about you yet, girl. I mean,
1: she's just too comfortable already, like.
2: Well, even I'm just like... Well, I would feel comfortable
1: coming to the show. Like, I thank would, you for the invite. Like walking
2: around holding hands yes. in front of the, And I'm not saying that they shouldn't, no. because if, if you're going to be free to date somebody, go date them how you would usually date a person. But it's but just, I don't know. It's, it's we're weird. just in this weird in-between. I know My we're saying that it's over, yes. but I feel like we're in a weird in-between.
1: Exactly. Like, it's still too fresh. My thing is, yes, I invited you to come, but that's when you should have declined it. Like, you should have <laughs> been like, thank you for the invite. You know, we would love to make it. I'll check just with Corinne or push something. It back like,
0: yeah. An hour
2: for yeah. Corinne. Like, Corinne, let's do, let's meet up for dessert, and yes, coffee, or exactly. something like that. Instead.
1: You come and support, and then you meet up with Corinne. Yeah. But the way y'all was walking, it was almost like a slap in the face.
2: Yeah. I, I I mean, cause you you you're to holding come. her hand, yeah. she wrapped her arm around her waist. And again, you're free to go date. That's the rule that y'all, that's what y'all decided, but just out of respect.
1: Out of respect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ew, yeah. you just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs>
2: yeah. Justin places a comforting hand on Lindsay's arm and checks to see if she's really okay with all of this. Well, Lindsay feels like she didn't have any other choice. Justin offers up his other career choice, which that was mass murderer, in case anybody. Yeah, part. (laughs) Uh, Then Brian walks over and announces that art openings are always such gay occasions. Lindsay asks, especially now that he's here. Uh, (laughs) You can see that Justin kind of braces himself when Brian walks over, because I don't think they've talked to each other, not since that night on the street when they had that kind of awkward exchange. So he's probably expecting some snarky comment about something. Mm -hmm. Or it's just like, I gotta I don't know, I think they still haven't figured out how to to surround each other. You know? Lindsay leaves them and Justin tells Brian that he wasn't sure he would come and Brian admits that neither was he. And I think that's a pretty big question. Yeah. They stand side by side in front of Justin's piece and Justin asks Brian if he likes it. Brian says, Well, if I do, will that make it good? No. Would it make you like it more or less? No. Will it make you rich? No. So why do you give a fuck about what I think? <laughs> yeah. Well, Justin doesn't even have to answer that because Brian knows that Justin has always cared and cared about and valued his opinion. And Justin's always shown his art to Brian. We've seen that many times over mm-hmm. the seasons. And. I'm sure that a part of Brian is happy to know that that hasn't changed. Like, right. He, he really still cares. Like, we're still there. Yeah, he still cares about what I, what I think. Because I can assure you, Brian still cares about what Justin thinks.
3: Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Well, a guy walks in front of them, catching Brian's eye. And, uh, after all of Brian's, like, why does it matter? I think Justin at this point is like, he'll respond or he won't, whatever. Right. <laughs> and Brian could have gone petty or mean or just refused to answer. But he tells him he that, took
1: the high road and got sweet.
2: Well, and he was honest. It's exquisite. Yes, you know he tells Justin that he should be very proud, and you know that that's true because Brian has said before, if Justin was producing garbage, I would tell him.
1: Yeah, <laughs> And I, we all know that's true. Yeah, Justin, Brian is not going to hold anything back right. for sure. He's going to give it to you hard and rough, just the way you like
2: it. <laughs> Justin can barely contain his smile because. This is a far cry from the days when Brian would just say it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Even though he meant it was great, he was like, oh, it's not bad. After Brian tells Justin what he thinks about it, um, he gets his face. <laughs> it's the one that he usually gets after he's admitted something pretty huge and yes. perhaps sentimental. And he kind of like folds his lips to try to smile, you know? <laughs> uh, but I think there's a lot of pride on, on his face. He's very proud of, of what Justin's doing. Like, this is what you said you wanted to do. You were gonna try to make a living with your art. But since he just, shared something honest and i'm sure it's not easy standing there next to justin he has to get out of there and try to act cool so he says it's been a long time since he's had an artsy pipe and i think he just does that to make it seem you know he's yeah, trying like, to cover up for
1: exactly it. he's trying to go into that br- what we think brian should be yeah do. like
2: oh so nonchalant indifferent mm-hmm. and doesn't really care yeah uh and i but i would bet justin was probably his last artsy pipe oh yeah yeah so i don't think that brian said that to hurt justin it was more so to save face yeah yeah before Brian walks off, he makes this little face. And it could be my interpretation. I'm pretty sure it is. But to me, it looks like he's thinking, really, Self? That's what you went with? Like, this yeah, is not uh. the plan we discussed. Yeah. <laughs> like, in what world was that I'm right. cool, and collected? But that's just kind of what I what I saw. It's real quick. And Justin's not looking, so it's not for his benefit. Uh, but let's talk about Brian in this scene real quick. Brian never lets himself look a mess in public. Like, he's never going to look bad mm-hmm. because it's Brian. Kenny, come on. But he's not put together here. His shirt is half tucked. And he just looks a little rumpled, and like he's faking or forcing that confidence and bravado. True. And he's all about appearances, so I think we can glean from how disoriented and disheveled he looks, that being here was not easy for him.
1: No, it wasn't. That's why he really, he was really honest when he said he wasn't sure if he was going to actually make it. Yeah. And normally, he's always dressed to the nines. He's so casual in this, where everybody else is dressed really nice and dressed up. I mean, Brian's never going to look terrible. Because, I mean, it's Brian, but. You can tell he's a little disheveled. He's a little off. But I'm glad that he mustered up all the courage to get there yeah. and to support Justin. Because uh,
2: I highly doubt that was an easy decision. For right. Him to make.
1: But I'm glad that, you know, he didn't let his nerves get the best of him or his ego get the best of him. Yeah. And he was able to come and show up.
2: Yeah. I leave that part of this scene hopeful that they can at least find a way to be friends. Like, I don't think a lot of time has passed. So it's very early days still. Mm-hmm. But maybe given a little bit of time, they can figure out their place in each other's lives, even as just friends. Tucker, or Tuck, is checking out Justin's work, and Justin walks over to him. He says, let me guess, you don't know art, but you know what you like. But Tucker knows a little bit. He tells him about some names. (laughs) And, And he tells Justin that he also likes his stuff. Dustin didn't really come over to make friends. He wonders if Tucker doesn't have a mother of his own. And that's why he's trying to steal.
1: <laughs> yeah. He wants to know basically, what are your intentions? Yeah. You know, like, why are you here? Why? What do yeah. you want
2: with a woman who's twice here? Yes, exactly. What like, he...
1: like, what, what is this for? Is this like little games? Because what you're not going to do is hurt my mom. So I do love that he's stepping up like the man of the house. Yeah. And, and you know, and checking it, let him know, letting um, Tuck know like, hey, I'm here you know what I'm saying yeah. like and i see you
2: because that could be a part i yeah. mean i know he's talking about the whole age thing so yeah yeah but that could be a part of it too like what are your yeah what are your intentions what, yeah what are, why would you want yeah yeah
1: well we're not gonna do a string my mother along mm-hmm. because that's my mom you know that's not what we're gonna do but i love that um i love that justin tried to judge a book by its cover mm-hmm. and took at the perfect um responses oh, back yeah. to justin and he also, he knows how to toss the shit right back to Justin as well. Like, I mean, you almost kind of met your match. Right. Because he's not going to take the bullshit from you, you know?
2: Yeah. Tucker says that he likes Jennifer because she's beautiful, intelligent, and sexy. Justin wants to know something very not his business. And I respect Tucker for not taking the bait on, on that. And he's just like, uh, that that doesn't concern
1: you. <laughs> yeah, that was a little. i inv- on, gonna say a Did little. You want that was him to vin- that?
3: I know that was
1: like too you? much. Um, that was very invasive of Justin to even ask that question. And it yeah. goes back to what I said before. Like, I didn't like the way that Justin was treating the situation. I think Jennifer is allowed to have happiness, whether it's going to be short term or long term. But I mean, this currently she's feeling happy and she's alive. We haven't seen her smile and be that giddy like she was, um, in in the loft at Justin's loft. In a, in a long time, actually, we've never seen her giddy like that. Like so, yeah. come you guys got to embrace that moment. You asking if they boned, like that's that's a bit much. That
3: is a bit much. That is
1: a bit much. Yeah. But Tuck, I mean, he handled himself. I mean, he really did. He handled himself. Let him know he none didn't of your dim, no at all, nothing. Like, yeah. None of your business. And you know, like, I appreciate you looking out for your mother, but stay in the child's place. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> is what he told him. You know,
2: yeah. Uh, Justin makes a comment. He says, well, you know what they say, 25 goes into 50, a lot more than 50 goes into 25. I didn't know what that meant. The only thing that, and I don't think I understand it correctly, but the only thing that I was thinking was based on what Tucker says in response. It sounds like Justin was insinuating that the younger person has more options or whatever, or gets around more than the older person. And then that's why Tucker says, except in your case, because, and then when they look over, Brian is chatting with some, with yeah, the artsy guy. He's
1: not that, he's not as old. Yeah. And then, uh,
2: so he's like, yeah, except in your case, but yeah, he's not, he's not that old, I mean, but kind of same.
1: That's what it meant. I just didn't know how to articulate exactly what needed to be <laughs> said in the right way. But th- that's what he means. Like, you know, when you're young, you have all these different options, but she's older. So don't be playing with her, you know, and, um, you can get into her way more than you know, a 50 year old can get into a younger person. They got to yeah. work way harder. To get a younger person. So, what is your motives? What are your motives when you come and messing with this older woman? You could easily have somebody your own age, what you're choosing to go out for an old to, to date an older person. Why? Like, why are you Why are you doing that? Someone is twice your age.
2: Before they can get too deep into it, Tucker says she's an adult, and so am I. She's free to love whoever she pleases without her child's approval. Ooh. Well, Justin says he is her son and he's an adult. And then Tucker tells him to act like one. That actually
1: checked his ass. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully that gives Justin a little more respect. It makes Justin respect him a little more.
2: Right. Yeah. And, I, and, and maybe it can. Yeah. Just to see that he, he didn't go petty and underhanded. Yeah. Like, he going not meet you, you know, match yeah. you with wits. But he, yeah, he didn't go mm-hmm. yeah, too far with it. So, okay, Tucker, I kind of like you. It was like
1: a Brian and um Ben exchange or a Brian and Dr. David exchange. They <laughs> used to kind of go back and forth. Like you had to like, they was two alpha. So you had to respect it. Yeah. You know, like what well, both they were saying, because they always going to hit with some good points. And I feel like Justin and, and Tuck both hit with some good points. Justin being protective. Tuck still being protective of his woman. Right. You know, like I'm here. I ain't going nowhere. I don't care what you say, young man, but I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to be your little, your your big brother, but it's okay. You know what I'm saying?
2: Now, he better watches himself with uh, the way you treat him. You better treat Jennifer right and you better treat Justin right. I mean, I know he's a little brat right now, but still. But I do want Jennifer to have a man who will have her back front and side to side, you know? And you
1: need to keep him around so we can get the 411 on Molly. Clearly, he sees her (laughs) every day and we don't ever see her ass. So, you need to keep him close.
2: For real? Yeah. But yeah, I'm glad that he's going to defend her right to live and love whoever and however she mm-hmm. chooses. But we see, Te- uh, we see Ted telling Debbie, Carl, and Michael and Ben all about his experience at the mixer. Who knew there were so many hot Jewish men in the world? And he's already talking about being Dr. and Mrs. Adam Bernstein. <laughs> <laughs> Brian comes over to borrow Michael and he's going to try to do what Debbie told him to do. He pulls Michael over to a quiet spot and he smiles at him. And like a real smile, you know, trying. And then he tells them that if it makes him happy to be a separate gay, then he should go for it. Uh, he can be the biggest separate gay in the world. It's all fine with the pin, fine with Brian. Well, Michael is like, what is that? An apology? Brian tries to hug him. He's like, yeah, I mean it. And so he tries to hug him and Michael physically, not just metaphorically this time, pushes him up. away mm-hmm. and says, aren't you afraid I'm going to infect you? Like, mm, Michael the most. Okay, Brian's already in a very emotionally raw place. Even though his word choice may not have been the best, I think he was sincere in what he was saying. He, he's not going to say something if he doesn't mean it. Michael tells him that just because they've been friends their whole lives, it doesn't mean they have to stay friends, which I agree with, but I don't think Michael is giving this a fair consideration. No, he's not. And I'm not just saying that because it's Brian, and y'all know how defensive I am, Brian.
1: <laughs> but they both were in the wrong.
2: Yeah, I would say that if it were Emma or Ted, That were on the other side of this situation you know michael says that they no longer have anything in common so they should just admit that brian that the brian and mikey show is over and get on with their lives brian is very hurt by that and i think if he thought he'd be able to get one of them back it'd be michael right just because michael has always been the one who's come back and so i think of the two people that he's lost right he's like well i have any yeah, I think he wants them both back. Of yes, course he does, but he but... he
1: went for the, the sure bet. Yeah, he went
2: for what he thought was gonna be the sure bet, and it was it was no.
1: not. Yeah, I'm disappointed in Michael in this scene. I
2: am too.
1: The fact that Brian even apologized, I mean, it's not it's not a Brian it's a Brian Kenny apology.
2: But you know Brian but, Kenny, yes. you've been getting Brian Kenny apologies exactly. More, yeah, half your
1: life. You knew that was very sincere. You knew it was genuine. But the way you shut it down, and then was sarcastic, and then pushed him away, and then told him that the friendship was over, that was petty. Uh, that was very petty, and it was childish. And that was mean and hurtful, and I was just like, "Somebody, please slap the hell out this man!" Yeah, like, well, why did Debbie didn't intervene? Because you're That's the one who I'm told saying. me you standing right there. So you're the one who told me to go and talk to this man. I, after I told you he wouldn't talk to me, and now you see me standing over here alone, looking sad, and your boy is back in your face. But you didn't do anything to, you know, try to get him to talk to me? Mm -hmm. Like,
2: Yeah, I'm like, okay, Debbie, now go roll up with your tuna macaroni at Michael's house and 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 say, I don't like the way you're treating Brian. Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I didn't like this scene at all. And it was just like, I'm tired of Michael and this high horse that he's always riding. I am so tired. I just want somebody to buck his ass off of it.
2: (laughs) Well, Drew and Emmett are sharing some straight liquor at the house, toasting to his coming out. Drew's display got Emmett fired, which why? But anyway, now no one can say that Emmett is sexless after they saw that kiss on screen. Emmett wonders what made him do it. And Drew says it's the first rule of the game. Always protect your teammates. And since they now play for the same team, he was going to cover Emmett's butt. And he's also paying back a kid from his high school. He was a lot like this kid was a lot like Emmett. And Drew and his buddies made his life miserable. They taunted him and threatened him and eventually became too much, and the kid transferred to another school, Drew always felt awful about the way he treated him because he knew that even though they were different on the outside, on the inside, they were the same. So he feels like Emmett is his atonement. That may not work for everybody, and while I don't think that Emmett would ever excuse Drew's bullying, like even by your good actions now, I think he can understand that Drew is trying to make amends. In his own way, he's trying to make an effort to do better.
1: True. And also, as a child, you don't know the type of hurt that you're inflicting like you're just trying to you make it and about get it, by yeah you're trying to
2: protect yourself yeah, exactly and you know so yeah
1: so it's- it actually works for me uh that works for me like i mean i'm sorry that drew was that person in school but i understood i mean look what he's going through now as a grown person just trying to live his, his normal life and he's being ridiculed and i mean just like all these different lies and these newspapers and, and everything is coming for him could you imagine him trying to handle that as a kid I mean, it's a big up to the, the Emmett-like character who, you know, Drew was bullying it's the fact that he was strong enough to actually present him true self. But I understand where, where Drew's coming from. Like, I, I relate to Drew. I think it's why I like Drew's story, Drew so much So yeah. I can relate to that story. I was captain of the football team, very mm-hmm. popular. Um, I teased a lot of people as well. Yeah. And I, just like Drew, when we went home, I did a whole apology tour to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had to go up. I'm sorry. I was mean. I was working through my own demons. You never know what somebody else was going through. Yeah. So I'm glad that he was able to find an a Emmett Honeycutt. Somebody that can actually get him on the right page, you know, show him that there's more to life and you need to be true to yourself. And I mean, and he's trying to trying to right those wrongs that he yeah. made, you know, mm-hmm. in the past. To me, it works. Like, I'm here for it. Yeah. I yeah. love you, Drew. Boy. Yeah. We
2: can't go back and undo what we did when we were stupid and afraid. Right. And, exactly. Yeah, like not very mature and not really thinking about other people outside of ourselves, but we can... Start from today and try to do. Yeah, do moving forward, you, yeah. Know,
1: you know, when you know better, you do better.
2: Emmett wants to know how feel how Drew feels now that he's out, and Drew's answer is horny.
1: horny. Mm. <laughs> yeah,
2: Emmett can work with that, Emmett. baby.
1: I want to work with that. <laughs> Where is my nanny cam?
2: Yeah, Drew flips him over the, his shoulder and carries him upstairs. I
1: want them to just do it dirty right there in the floor and let Carl and <laughs> and, and Danny Debbie come him. home like. Damn, I should have been in this show. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> yeah. I kind of love that even though Drew could go buy a whole new house and stay there he's as the this blows over. Yeah, he is crammed up in this house with Debbie Carl and Emmett because this is his safe place right yes. now. And these are the people that he's allowing to be around him right now. He's yep. isolated himself from everybody else, but he's mm-hmm. allowing these people. To be there with him right now. True. I love that. I know. I was
1: like, why is this man at home? Like, you're hella rich. I know. <laughs> like, why? You could be out of the country. You could have
2: bought a new home. So yes. I'm saying, like, a whole new one. Yes. Yeah.
1: But he's there. He's coming home every night. Yeah. I said, oh, <laughs> it just makes me happy.
2: Well, Melanie comes creeping into the house at all hours of the night. Uh-uh. Lindsay is sitting on the couch like a scary movie. Nearly scares Melanie to death. Lindsay is not in a great mood. Like, why are you in your feelings, boo? You invited her. Yeah. Me? It's after three o'clock. And Melanie got tied up, but she was just talking. Uh-huh. Lindsay
1: said it was saddened or, or, <laughs> or what? Yes, yeah. I said,
2: ooh. If Melanie doesn't need to explain, make excuses, or apologize. That part. Those are the rules that they agreed to. Well, Lindsay says, well, did you forget you have a family's girl? Them kids been sleeping. Been asleep, girl. <laughs> it's three in the
1: morning. You waiting up.
2: And Melanie's like, okay, fight. you're here. So- yes. <laughs> yeah. As if my kids were fine. Melanie tells her that the show was great and that she and Corinne both enjoyed it. And Melanie promises to call next time. Well, there's not going to be a next time because Lindsay says the in-house separation isn't working for her. It must be for people a lot more sophisticated or heartless than her. Shots fired. Very. (laughs) Yeah. Lindsay suggests that they sell the house and buy two separate places. She doesn't think it's fair for Melanie to live there while she's in some crummy apartment. First of all, boo, you left. You chose it. Yeah. Second, Melanie said no on that deal. And Lindsay tells her, well, fine, you can leave. You can leave then. And here we go. Back to fighting. Yes. Um, Melanie says, okay, well, let's split it all up 50-50 then. She grabs a vase that she gifted Lindsay for one of their anniversaries and drops it. Yes. <laughs> uh, Lindsay grabs a candy dish that belonged to Melanie's grandmother. And as they're fighting over that, it falls and breaks. Then they get to doing a whole lot of shoving and pushing, and I'm like, oh, don't get domestic up yes, in here. Right? I knew it
1: was going to be domestic, okay? Because <laughs> from Lindsay's, for one, baby, you bother. You waited, you set up and wait for me, waiting for me to come yeah. home. It's three o'clock in the morning, you got all I mean, the you lights on. You're making off. cocoa to keep yourself awake. Baby, you making, yeah, you making cocoa and shit. To keep yourself up, and then you only made enough just for you. You, you—that's <laughs> ultimate petty, baby. Yeah. That's you showing that you still cared. Mm-hmm. Because if you didn't care, baby, you wouldn't be waiting up at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I would have been. I would have. I would have been caring, but I would have been up upstairs in my room. Right. When you wouldn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You would. Yeah, like I wouldn't be sitting downstairs waiting on you like I'm your parent or some shit, and you didn't miss curfew. Right. You know. But so when they got the tussling, I was like, break up to make up. I could feel it, girl. Yeah. I could feel it. That was some chat. Ch- was some. Some kid shit. That's some shit that I did when me and Brad first got together. I would start a fight just to be fucking. You know what I'm saying? For real. And when they got the Tesla, I said, "Oh, it's for nigga?" Yeah,
2: Lindsay did slap her at one oh, point. Oh, she like, Oh, okay. But you know, that's Lindsay into that freak fall. shit. No, she did, she knew about the, the satin on the leather. Yeah, she
1: so. did. So when she said satin <laughs> leather, and she slapped, I said, "Oh, Ew. baby girl, that's how y'all stayed together that long."
2: Yeah, M- Melanie wrestles her up onto the dining room table, and then it's. Korean who
1: yeah, exactly Korean <laughs> who again we won't eat at Melanie's and Lynn's no, because- and we know not to eat at Michael's and Ben's because they're all over the kitchen table doing the most I said rip that shirt show some titties rip that shirt because I miss them I have missed them together like I mean
2: them
1: or the <laughs> oh well not Bells, but I mean the actual co- Melanie and Lindsay Melanie yeah. and Lindsay okay I've missed, but, you know, Mellie's known to show some titties, though. She is. She is known to show some titties. She will show them real quick. Yeah, real quick. Too, no, yeah, she ain't got no bra Never, <laughs> ever. But just the fact that they're, they needed that. They needed that connection again. Not yeah. saying that this is going to get them back together or anything, but I feel like it just kind of cuts that tension out the way. Like, they still have so much love for each other. You just need, sometimes you need that well, one last up.
2: They had fought in, about a lot of other things, mm-hmm. but this was a different kind of fight, yeah. I feel like. And, and it just lasted
1: too long. Like, yeah. this fight was too long.
2: Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, it was just, it was coming. They yeah. were starting to boil over. It, that's what it was. And then they both got these feelings for each other, but don't know how to communicate it. Yeah. With that. Mm-hmm. And so it was a lot. Yeah.
1: It made me feel good, though. Like, I mean, I know, yeah, it just, I, I don't know if they should just jump right back into a relationship, but hopefully this is the basis to get them back where they need to be.
2: They are, yeah. I don't know with them, Yeah, But this scene did remind me to point out that Taya and Michelle are amazing actors. Oh yeah, like, they killed that. I don't think that I've given them their propers on yes. here enough. Like, we are giving you they y'all are y'all both so believable as their characters, and yeah, they are incredible. So mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure I point point that. Yes,
1: out. absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Big up to y'all. Yeah. Killed it.
2: Well, we see Jennifer meeting with Justin at the diner because she needs to have a little talk with her son. Yes. She does not care if he's the next Picasso. That does not give him the right to be rude. I love that Jennifer's always going to be like, Mm-mm, I'm still the mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, Justin says he wasn't rude. He was just asking a few questions and looking out for her interest. She wants to know if uh, he's feeling threatened because there's another man in her life. which is a valid question. Mm-hmm. But then that's when she says what we pointed out. She hasn't dated anyone since Craig left her and it's time to move on. Justin agrees, but says it needs to be with someone appropriate. Jennifer finds that very funny coming from Justin. I do, so. too. <laughs> yeah. He says, yeah, I was 17, but you're my mother. You should know better. Like, oh, that bratty. That bratty. Yes. Yeah. She acknowledges that when um, he first started seeing Brian, she had trouble, a lot of trouble with the age thing. But eventually she realized that if he made you happy and was good to you, that's really all that mattered. And now it's Justin's turn to offer her.
1: That. I agree. Yeah. she is a grown woman. It's not like she's underage or anything. But she's a grown woman. She's saying, um, she hasn't loved or been with anyone since Craig. We're just gonna go ahead and say that's three years. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like she hasn't, or four years because they, they, yeah. yeah. So it's,
2: it's somewhere around there. Yeah. it's been a minute. Yeah, and he was terrible. She needed terrible. To move on.
1: Yeah, I mean, not saying that this is gonna be the be right. all this one just all be whatever,
2: whatever. mr right now yeah
1: mr right now but i mean be supportive because this lady went mi- many 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 years without and even when she was married i'm pretty sure she went many years without any type of affection right. she was probably like just a little housewife who was overlooked and and mistreated right and then we see how he did the kids and shit. how he treated justin and them so i mean that was a hellhole there was no happiness there was no marriage that was just a contract that she was right. stuck in you know and she stayed for the the well-being of the kids now that she's finally free and she met somebody that she can actually, you know, laugh with and be young with again, just because you're 50. And I'm not trying to say she's 50 because, what, she was 39 when you first met or something? Yeah, Yeah. They, yeah. they,
2: they gave her 10 more yeah, years out of so somewhere.
1: Just because she's in her, you know, early just to mid 40s, older, yeah, yeah early doesn't mean that she has to stop living. So I'm happy that she found somebody young that's keeping her on her toes or keeping her going. Because, yeah, no, I mean, and I'm glad she's checking his ass, but she's doing it in a way that it's receptive to him. She's mm-hmm. not. Jumping down his throat and, and, you know, being, you know, you got demand respect. She's not doing any of that. She's like, hey, I understand where you're coming from. I gave you shit over Brian. I get that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I get it. But at the same time, I realized that this man actually cared for you. He was there for you. And if you would happen, he could make you happy and he wasn't hurting you. I can get with that. You right. know, that's all I want for you is happiness, you know, and yeah. for you to be happy. And that's all she asking for in return. Yeah. I thought that was the perfect way to put it.
2: Yeah, I don't love that they brought back this bratty side of him but like i said earlier that is a part of his character and That's it
1: shows true. his age too because yeah. t- sometimes justin things too grown too mature to it's be his, yeah. yeah and yeah. so
2: they do have to remind us in these smaller ways that he's mm-hmm. and also he found out about this a couple days yeah ago. so it's, it's, it's sudden yeah. yeah and he found out it wasn't just a fling. it was oh, six y'all months in a whole relationship yeah. and so yeah he's got to catch up to this so whatever. and you know
1: he's probably cried on her shoulder about the whole brian thing so they didn't talk the relationship yeah. and then you didn't find, you didn't think it was the right time to tell me about yours. I, I can understand where he's coming from, but he needs to be a little more lenient on her and just, you know, a little more accepting on this.
2: Well, Ben, Michael and a stroller containing Jr. or so we're told. I wonder if there's a baby in there. <laughs> are on the sidewalk and there's some volunteers handing out flyers, but these are pro prop 14 people. It looks like they're on the Avenue though. On Get the away avenue. from here. Yeah. Why are you here? Yeah. Anyway, the guy in charge, I guess, is saying this is not the time for complacency and silence. The battle lines have been drawn. It's up to every American to declare which side they're on: the side that accepts homosexuality and wants to reward their deviant behavior by giving them the most sacred right that a man and a woman have—the right to marry—or the side that is determined to uphold the values on which this great Christian country was founded to protect the family and to protect our children.
1: America started because they we ran,
2: we ran
1: from the religion <laughs> I'm like.
2: I don't think that we want to get into America's history. Yes. Like, right, not the real history. No, let's not do that, yeah. baby. I hate when people try to hide bigotry behind patriotism and religion. Like, I hate that. Mm-mm. Michael is outraged by what he's hearing, but Ben tells him, well, we don't get our message across by starting fights. And again, sometimes.
1: Girl, sometimes you got to <laughs> fuck some shit up. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I yes, I'm all for that non-violent, you know what I'm saying? Peaceful and everything. But
2: look, if they're out here talking about battle lines have been drawn, yes. then okay, that's how they're taking it. You got to respond. Thank you.
1: And right they're on now. our home front. They're <laughs> not just on their community. they in the gay community yeah. over here protesting on our home front and, and calling us an abomination. Like, sometimes you got to fight fire with fire. Now, I'm yeah. not saying go ahead and burn some shit up. But I was saying, I would have, I would have, girl, that's what the protest would have meant, the protest. I would have called <laughs> yeah. Debbie, lay mouth ass over there. You got cell phone? <laughs> me and Debbie would have turned their asses out. I don't need a group. It's just yeah. me and Debbie. Yeah. We turned them out, period. Uh,
2: so Ted invited Adam up for a nightcap. Adam tells him that he wasn't really expecting much from the mixer, but this is all looking promising for both of them. It's been a great first day, and it seems like it will end on a high note until Adam discovers um, that Ted is not Jewish. There's a very big giveaway.
3: Yes, Uh, baby.
2: Yeah, Ted doesn't think it's a big deal, but Adam wants to raise a family with all the customs and traditions in a Jewish Jewish family. Ted is willing to have more nipping and tucking done. He's willing to convert. Like, no, Ted, not after one date. The desperation is a no. For real. (laughs) Like, I mean,
1: the thirst was real. I was like, I thought we moved past that, Teddy. We're
2: not doing that. Yeah. Adam says, look, you're a nice guy, but you're not a nice Jewish guy. So there goes that. Well, Emma is reading the paper to Debbie at their house. There's an article all about Drew and the Kiss Her Around the World. Yes. The question is, will Mr. Boyd still be called a hero or will he be called a lot of less flattering things? It doesn't really matter. What matters is that Drew Boyd has scored a touchdown for personal courage and honesty, is what the article says.
1: That's some good writing
3: right
2: there. Yeah. Carl notices a ruckus outside and it's because Drew is trying to get in, but he has to fight through the paparazzi to get into the front door. Carl goes and helps him out. Drew apologizes because this is starting to kind of like a circus, yeah. And Debbie and Carl are having to put up with all of this. They mm-hmm. and this. I don't think they mind it, but I'm sure it's
1: just ripping
3: like, they their, tell them, like, no, piece. it's fine.
2: It's not you, it's them. Like, they have right. a problem, yeah. Emmett tries to perk Drew up by giving him the article, but Drew tells him that he has been suspended. Debbie doesn't understand why. He hasn't, he wasn't driving drunk, he didn't rape anybody. He wasn't making illegal bets. All things that other athletes have done yes. with little or no consequence, yes. by the way. Uh but Drew's coach said that it's for his own good in case his teammates try to injure him and Emmett thought they were supposed to look out for each other, well, so did Drew. Yeah. That's so sad.
1: It is very sad, but it's very true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like the, the gay locker room thing, oh, you just you, you hear so much trash talking there. And even we had that real professional player come out a few years ago. Uh, it was bad for him. Like, I mean, it was really bad. I don't want to say his name, although, I mean, I know he's openly gay and he's a famous football player. Uh, but his career was cut short. Right. I think he got to play a season.
3: Right. Most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He got
1: to play a season, but then, I mean, it was cut short. Thank God he had other things. He was able to write books, and, you know, and get his story and get his voice heard and yeah. things out there. But I mean, it was a good thing that that coach actually probably did pull him because all these closeted, um, or closeted, um, players, or just the or homophobic, just homophobic players. players yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they were gonna retaliate. That same shit that Drew did to the kid in high school, that was gonna happen to him. Right. And it was gonna probably get physical. These are grown right. men who are wealthy and successful. Strong, strong aggressive. Yeah, aggressive and powerful. <laughs> yeah. Um, it just it would have been a very, very bad look. I hate that Drew has to be punished right. for something I mean, just for him being him. But I mean, it's for his safety for sure. Yeah,
2: well, and they can hide behind it because you would think, okay, well, you just go protect him. Well, they're but not. going to Could do you that. imagine
1: him saying "hut" and then all the line just move out the way and right. then he they're gets not his gonna yeah. They're not going to protect him, yeah. And then he gets his neck broken, back broken, leg. Well, I mean, whatever right. the case, all these concussions because they just move out the way. They don't give a damn. They don't care about winning. They just want to get him fucked up. So right. it's one of those like, nah, babe, go ahead and transition to sports casting, baby. You understand know and be <laughs> with your man,
2: okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, ben is walking home and he finds Michael on the porch fixing a light. Uh, they are all sweet and sentimental about building the perfect home. Ben tries to pull him in from the cold, but first Michael wants to put the sign back in the front yard. Okay, Michael has been all over the place emotionally in this episode Girl, for he's me everywhere, and he himself has been like ten episodes in one. Yes, <laughs> um, like I don't even know what to do with him and all of that. But I guess what we saw was him sorting out the why and how behind this fight that he's now a part of. And him deciding how committed he's going to be to it and why it's important and knowing what the risks are, accepting that, but saying it's still worth it. I think True. that's the journey that we saw him on. But I'm really just kind of annoyed with Michael this episode. Right. So,
1: but I'm going to touch on this before I get off because I don't really have much to say about him, but um, I can see why he was all over the place because yeah. your initial reaction when, when, you know, you're, you're threatened, you get scared. You want to run. Well, mm-hmm. I, I can't say for everybody, but I'm, I'm a flight of flight, baby. I am flighting. Okay. <laughs> Fight or flight, First baby. Class. First class, baby. Okay, I'm bringing all the luggage. I'm running. Okay, so I think that's where he initially went. But then seeing it being brought to the home front, you know, when we just saw the uh, the pro um uh, proposition 14 people on the on the avenue talking cash shit, it kind of just like sparked this fire in him again. Like you have some balls, some guts to come here and try to strip away what should be a given. You know, you gonna try? To, you you doing that? You really? Going these links and then like these, um, these major corporations that's backing all this bullshit. Like, really? You're really doing this? So, I mean, if, if, if I'm scared and I run, that could be a million people that's scared of this run. So I have to be the one who's actually going to stand here and fight the fight. And, um, I'm glad that he finally come, to, came to his senses and put the sign back up. Like, yes, target me if you want to target me, but guess what? I'm not going to quit. And that's what Michael and the rest of the gang has to continue to do.
2: We end at Babylon and there are half naked bodies and glitter and Brian is there, but it all feels very somber. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's like Brian is there, but he's not taking it in the way everyone else is. There's a smile on his face, but it's more like he's an observer and less of a participant. Right. And he's kind of above it all, you know? He's there, but not really connected to it or part of it. I don't know. Well, that
1: was I- good wording, above it all. Cause maybe he's growing. Maybe, um, and not for the best. Cause I don't think what Michael says, as in you're too old for this party scene. Yeah, no, I don't think growing means you
2: can't go party or you can't sleep with whoever you want to. I don't think that at all.
1: So maybe, you know, in the scene, like he is above it all because he is growing. He already talked to Michael, did something that he normally would apologize. Mm -hmm. Not trying to say he wouldn't normally apologize, but he was he took the first step. He was a bigger person. Yeah. Came and apologized to Michael, was shut down. But I think it's it's a sign of growth.
2: Yeah, well, because I feel like it's him realizing I can Take Babylon and the nightlife and the clubs and the guys and the drugs and the drinks. I can take all that for what it is, but that's not me. Right. You know, that's not who I am. Like right. I can, I can enjoy all this stuff if I want to, but that doesn't define me anymore. Exactly. That doesn't validate me anymore. And so, yeah, he has grown up, risen mm-hmm. above that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the song playing here is Sacred Stones by Sheila Chandra. I think right. And if so, the first part of the lyrics translate to, Ever so lonely without you. Ever so lonely. And then we see Michael walking into the club with a smile on his face. And he and Brian make eye contact. And he finds Brian on the catwalk and uh comes over. Brian is surprised to see him there. Michael came to ask him a question. Why did Brian apologize? Brian says, well, I guess I miss you. And Michael asks if he still loves him. And Brian says, always have, always will. And using Ted's voice, Michael says, so do I. Then Brian's like, what? <laughs> because Michael is not there, but Ted is. And he's saying, you look like you need a friend to talk to, and so do I. And in a pinch, he decides that, Ted decides that Brian will do. Uh, he tells him that his date was a bus, and you can say that Ted didn't make the cut. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Brian says, oh, you'll live. And then they kind of share a laugh, but Brian always doing the right thing to say, which was the wrong thing to say, but kind of the right thing. Yes, like, ah, was, you know, yeah. just keep moving
1: forward. Yeah, like that part. brush dirt off your shoulders.
2: Yeah. Ted may not know all the details, but he knows that they're both feeling down and out. And so mm-hmm. he offers to grab Brian a drink, and Brian tells him to grab something for himself, too. on him. Theodore says, thanks, Brian And Brian says, anything for a friend. And it's Brian kind of officially establishing what they what they have been moving toward right. friends who talk to each other and listen to each other and it's him admitting that he needs that yes i do need a friend <laughs> yes. like that
1: and you've been here
2: yeah, yeah and you've been here. It, ted uh doesn't say anything because he knows better but he does acknowledge it with a look and two taps to the shoulder and then he officially kind of accepts this role and then the song genius and the thieves plays us out so and that's the episode it left me with this kind of weird melancholy. And I think it was the song at the end. <laughs> kind no, of it got, just, but just like all of it, I think. It's
1: too many loose ends. Like, we don't know, like, what's going on with fucking Melanie and Lindsay. Like, I mean, yes, we last time we saw them, they fucking on the table. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what's going on with them? Um, Brian is having um visions of Michael and conversations with Michael. And Michael's not even there. Mike, Michael was rude as hell to Brian for no damn reason.
3: Yeah.
1: Um Yeah, it just kind of left me, look. it just left me. I don't know, all the ends are loose. Like Yeah,
2: well, and it's just like, yeah, in a lot of ways, I'm like, where do we go from yeah. here? And, and we only have three
1: episodes or four episodes to go. Like, I mean, how are we going to wrap all this shit up? Like, where do we go from here? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's like, it's crazy.
2: I know. Yeah. Um.
1: I want more Drew and Emmett.
2: <laughs>
1: I want, I better get more Drew and Emmett or I'm acting so a fool. I'm so
2: proud of Drew, but I'm also so sad for him. Yeah. Then I'm thinking about Brian, who has really no path back to Michael or Justin. But I mean, he does, he does so have people a, in his life. And so that is good. But, um. He
1: has a path to Justin. He he will always be connected to Justin. I think so.
2: I think they always have a path. Yeah.
1: To Michael, toward. they have a lot of history and it is not always so good. So I think it's, it may take some work just yeah. to get and them I back on track. I think
2: that that friendship, if it can get back to you, it might not ever look right. the way it did before. It's never going to look the way it did before. they can still be.
1: Yeah. They will always have that bond, but it will never look the same. Like Michael's finally become a standalone. He no longer needs Brian. He was he was Brian's little puppet. If Brian's going to jump off the Interstate Building, I, I mean, I'm sorry, the Empire uh, Empire State Building, he would have done it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no parachute or no nothing. He would. Oh, you coming with me? I'll go first. He he would have done it, yeah. you know. But now I think he's a standalone. and um, he's just doing too much with that, though.
2: Yeah, he's really kind of bothering me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Something that I wanted to say earlier, but I forgot, and we were talking about this as we were watching, and it's that I think Brian has been so opposed to their growth, mostly because he was afraid of it, because he doesn't really expect any growth for himself, and so he fears their growth because it means that he'll be left behind. He'll be abandoned. Yeah. So that's why he was so against it, Mm -hmm. and so trying to pull them back or so like digging his heels in because you know i don't want anything to change or do anything different because he knew that he already knew that he was going to be be left behind i think mm-hmm. part of him kind of anticipated that definitely his relationship with justin anticipated that eventually being, being right. left behind sort of thing so anyway with all that my mind, it makes me all sad about that
3: i know but, was- but i do
2: have a fun fact uh that we can um move toward the end with
3: Ew. oh okay. <laughs> okay okay hold on hold on okay <laughs>
1: Ooh,
2: okay. <laughs> Ooh, um,
1: you can use so, the The say, say "ew." I would say "ooh."
2: So, a fun fact about the actress who plays who plays Corinne, um, or Catherine Zena, i think is how you say her last name. When I was still brainstorming for the podcast, I saw this like book club type thing that she did with Scott Lowell and Gail Harrell was supposed to be on it on it with them too, but I think you got like stick that there something. Anyway. It was this live virtual watch party and they were gonna walk through every episode, kinda like what we're doing. Oh wow. Yeah, but it was gonna be hosted by her and and Scott Lowell. Oh, and wow. they were gonna pull in the cast members and the crew and, and the writers and all that and directors to work through the um to work through the whole series. You could buy tickets and virtually attend it. It was like a really wow. cool thing. And so they did it for episodes one through three. It was like one long one they mm-hmm. did. And so I watched that one. And on that one, they had conversations with the actress who played Blake and Chris Hobbs and and a couple other people. And you could tell like, when they advertised that they had like sound clips from other people. So it's going to be a really, really neat thing. But they only did one segment because it takes a lot of work and a lot of money to do that kind of thing. And it didn't have the audience and the support that it needed to keep going. So allow me to take this time to thank the people who support our podcast. And there are many ways to do that. First, I want to say thanks to our patrons. I mean, you guys literally helped fund the creation of these episodes. Thank you. We also want to thank those of you who have left a five star review on whatever platform you listen to that helps us get more visibility. Yes. Uh, With those high ratings. Don't go over, give us a rating. If you're not going (laughs) (laughs) to believe in our potential and give us a five. Anyway. Yes. Uh, Please. Yeah. And then thank you for the people who interact to the people who interact with us. And Show us that we're not just speaking to into the void (laughs) and thank you to the people who just listen and keep listening. Um, Even if we never hear from you or whatever, we thank you for, for listening. There are many ways to support and encourage us and whatever option you're working with, we thank you and we love you for it.
1: Yes. Definitely want to say thank you as well. I mean, she said it all. I can't, I can't say it better than that. She just did. So thank you guys and we both mean it from the bottoms of our hearts. All right. All right, guys. Well, that is the episode. The usual, let us know what you guys think or thought about the episode. If you have any questions or if you have any little input that you want to add to what me and um, Echelle touched on already, um, just go ahead and send that through the email as well. Like we said before in the, in the beginning of the episode, make sure that you're sending your um, recommendations uh, for the Pink Plate special for the shows and movies you'd like us to cover or any type of um concept you'd like us to cover. Send those suggestions too.
2: Liberty Diner Dish at gmail.com.
1: There it is. Alrighty, guys. And um until next time, we are out of here. Bye.
2: Bye.